0: Okay, so we've been doing this series called Encounters with Jesus, okay, and if you remember, you think back, uh, we started off with Jason, okay, Pastor Jason, he came and he spoke about the road to Emmaus, yes, remember that, okay, um, he talked about awakening our spirit, um, having a desperate hunger, when we want to encounter Jesus, okay, and then I spoke on um, Jesus turning water into wine, Right and how when Jesus came to Earth, He came to bring joy and life to the full, and you know, wine, fun, that kind of thing. Hope for a better age. The best is yet to be. He's like both schools. Okay, um, enough. Okay, and then and then Raj came and he talked about encountering Jesus among the least. Right? He talked about a lot of times we want to encounter Jesus and we think about like ourselves, like what we do, but actually, um, um, the Bible talks about encountering Jesus through ministering to other people right? In particular to believers, fellow believers, the body of Christ. And then, of course, Elder Edwin came. Uh, He preached on the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus feeding the 5,000, how the miracle occurred because God was the, do you remember? Manufacturer. Wow, very good. Manufacturer and we are the human hands. We are just the distributors, right? And uh, God gives us miracles to reveal Himself. Okay, and then last week we had Constance, and she spoke about um, the Jesus that Mary of Bethany encountered, right? The Jesus who raised her brother from the dead. Um, the Jesus who was so compelling that she would just sit at his feet and not care about anything else. The Jesus who was so worthy and glorious that she would break a $24,000 perf- bottle of perfume and, and, and like, wipe him with her hair. And, and, you know, I really hope that you are encountering this Jesus Every day, more and more each day. You know, I've, I've been a Christian for for almost 30 years. And, and some of these stories that have been preached, you know, I've heard it hundreds of times. Um, but still, I, I've been reading the Gospels, preparing for today. And, and, and you know, the more I read, it, it's really like Jesus is the most amazing person to have walked on planet Earth. And, and these stories of people encountering Jesus really blow you away. And, and, and they make me want to encounter Him more and more. And, and I really hope that it's the same for you. That as we do this series on encountering Jesus, that you are challenged to go and encounter him for yourself through the week. Not just on Saturdays, whenever you hear a sermon, but but, but for yourself. You know, go and read his word, talk to him, encounter him. How many, how many of you were here last week? So, so, you know, last week we had a really good service. We had one girl, she was like a random visitor from China um, she came and she accepted Christ in the middle of the service. And, and, and you know, many of you prayed to, uh, um, you came up to the altar call and, 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 and you encountered Jesus. And, and, and I want to say, let's press on. Let's keep desiring to encounter Him. Alright? And I just want to talk a little bit about um, altar calls now. So, this is a bit like family time. Okay? Just talking about the culture that we want to set and all. And, and I want to talk about how the purpose of an altar call Okay, what's the purpose of an altar call? Yes, Jessica. Very good. Thanks, star. Um, So the purpose of an altar call is is really to to respond to the word, right? You hear a message, something has been preached, um, the preacher wants to give you uh, an opportunity to respond. So that you don't just hear and you're like, oh, okay. But you hear and then you respond. You do something, you make a commitment um, you surrender. It could be like a resolution uh, to do something. And and I believe that response is very important, okay? And the response and ministry time can really facilitate people uh, encountering God, which is what we want to see, all right? And and so, you know, when you respond to an altar call, you're not responding to the preacher. You're not responding to like the band or whatever. You're responding to God, right? And so, this response to God is, is personal. And I just want to remind us that, you know, when we have altar calls, that your response is a personal thing, and other people's response is also a personal thing, and therefore we don't respond based on other people's responses, right? We don't like look around. Oh, everybody's responding. Oh, uh, what 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 was that? What's that word? Torah. Like, so now you know, like I'm just like go there. <laughs> and in the same way, we don't see. Oh, nobody's responding. Oh, I better not better not respond. That kind of thing, right? So our response is not dependent on other people. And in the same way. We don't uh, like judge the other people, like what they're doing. Like, let's say the preacher calls for a response for like repentance or something, and then we look at all oh, these people going up there. Must be really sinful. Like, yeah, you don't judge people who are responding, right? And in the same way, you don't uh, judge people. Who, you know, let's say you respond, you're like, oh, all these people sitting in their seats, you know, so unspiritual. Yeah, you don't judge them. Okay, so it's it's a it's a personal thing. Um, you don't don't judge other people. Uh, uh, it's a personal thing. It's between you and God, all right? And so in the same way, uh, when you come up, you know, just come, focus on God. When you respond to an altar call, just focus on God, um, you know, come up and and receive from Him. And and there's no need to kind of do a lot of things. There's no need to go around praying for a lot of people because it's a personal thing, okay? So just focus on Him, talk to Him, receive from Him, uh, hear from Him. And, And we have altar ministers, okay? We have the CGLs. Uh, they are ready to pray for people if there's a need to, and and our leaders have been briefed. They 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 will know what to do, and they are accountable to um, me and other leaders. All right, and and so so yeah. If if you know you respond to the, uh, an altar call, you feel that you want to pray for people as well. That's a good thing. Um, I, I'm really glad that I I see people praying for each other, right? And we want to keep this culture of. Praying for each other in a ministry, okay? You're ministering to each other, all right? But um, maybe you can do that after the service or, or kind of when you go back to your seats. Uh, when you come up to the altar, you just focus on responding to God, okay? All right, so that's just some like family time, all right? Okay, uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach on an interesting passage. Okay, turn to your neighbor now. You know, I hate it when preachers do this, but I I love to do this. Turn to your neighbor now and say, are you ready to encounter Jesus today? Who said no? What? All right. Uh, Okay. Now, uh, today I'm going to talk about the power of feeble faith, okay? Okay. And today's text is uh, Mark 5. It's from Mark 5, 24-34. And, and today's text is, is a familiar story, I, I think. It's a familiar story. It's a story about the woman with an issue of blood. Alright? It's a simple story. Okay? This woman was sick uh, for a long time. She touched Jesus. She got healed. Okay? And so, it's, it's a simple story about faith. Right? And do you remember when Elder Edwin was here? And he was talking about his um, trials and tribulations, trying to prepare for the message. And how, like, uh, it was very difficult because uh, it's such a familiar passage. And, 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 and I felt the same way this week. And the whole week, I asked myself, why did I choose this passage? Uh, and then, because uh, it's so short. You know, it's, it's like 10 verses, okay? And this is the, the longest account. Mark has the longest account. Mark has 10 verses. Um, in Luke, the same story is told in 6 verses. And in Matthew, it's just 3 verses, all right? But, but I think it's an important story. It's significant enough to appear in three of the Gospels. And, and I really believe that God wants to speak to us today about faith. Okay? And so, I invite you today to really have a heart of expectation. Allow His Word and His Spirit to speak to you. And let's ask God for a fresh revelation today. Okay? So, let's pray. Just come before God and pray for yourself. Ask God to give you a heart that is ready, ready to receive, ready to respond. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your your word that is that is divinely inspired and, and that speaks to us so much. God, your word that 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 reveals so much about you. And we thank you that that when we read it, we can learn more and more about you. And so, God, I pray that today you you really speak to us. That Holy Spirit, you prepare our hearts to receive and to respond in faith today. So, Holy Spirit, we invite you to just reign in this place. And speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to ask Charlene to help us
1: read out this passage. Alright. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had... All right, thank you,
0: Charlene. Drama Club, yo. <laughs> all right, um, I, I I wanna share with you something. You know, I accepted Christ when I was like just before four years old. Okay, August, August 1986. I remember. And I'm I'm 33 this year. You can stop counting. Okay. And and when I was four plus, uh, yeah, almost yeah, four plus. Okay, my mom told me that she was pregnant. All right. And and she asked me, do you want a brother or a sister? And I said, I want a brother. I don't even know why. Okay, like boys are so annoying. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just just kidding, boys. Just kidding. Um, yeah. And 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 so so she said, Oh, you want a brother or a sister? And I was like, Oh, I want a brother. And she said, Oh, you ask God la You know, in her deaconess Linda way. Uh, and 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 so I did. Okay. So I prayed every day. I prayed, God, please give me a brother. Uh, please give me a baby brother. And and uh, most of you will know that, indeed. My brother, Joe Ash, uh, he is a boy, okay, and, <laughs> and uh, uh, when, when, when I knew, like, when my mother went for the scan or whatever, and, and when, when I knew that my, my brother was, was my, the, the baby was going to be a boy, uh, I was super happy, I was like, oh, wow, God answered my prayer, and you must imagine that, like, I'm this, like, four-year-old kid, right? and and my mom said go pray and i said okay i pray and then like ah oh, it's really a boy and 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 to my four year old mind right it was like it was so amazing like wow god heard me he answered my prayer it's a boy and 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 you know i believe that 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 it really grew my faith like it's it's the first um, thing I remember, you know, like if you ask me about my Christian walk, I mean, okay, yeah, I, I remember like accepting Christ. But like the next thing is like, I remember, yeah, I prayed for a brother and I got a brother, you know. Uh, and then like, no, so why did I pray? No, just kidding. Um, uh, yeah, and, and it really grew my faith. Like it really grew my young, childish faith. And, and the, it was like so simple and so amazing. You know, you pray for something and God answers you. And and, and and at that time, I was like, oh, my God is so great. Oh, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. He gave me a brother, you know, that, that kind of woo, yeah? You, you feeling me? You feeling me? Yeah. And and then you grow up, right? And And life gets complicated, right? And sometimes you pray for things and and you don't get what you want, and then people start to tell you things like, oh, maybe it's because you're not praying according to God's will, you know, or like, maybe there's unconfessed sin in your life, or like, uh, maybe God is not saying no, but he's saying wait, you know, all, all these things, right? Like, people tell you all, all these things, and, and and then you start to think like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe faith is not enough, you know, it's more, more complicated than that, uh, it's not just like, oh, you just pray and God answers, kind of thing, and and maybe some things are coincidences, right? I mean, you know, with babies, it's like it's always fifty-fifty, right? It's always just boy or girl, right? It's like always fifty-fifty chance, right? And, and 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 then and then our faith becomes like not so strong, um, not so simple, right? Because you know, like life, life is complicated; it's not not so simple. And and you know, today I'm not here to say that um, just just have faith and life will be great. You know, you'll be blessed and 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 all that, because there will be suffering in life, right? There will be suffering in life. Please see If God is Good series by the main service, 9 a.m. and 11.15 a.m. tomorrow. How many of you have been attending that? It's great. You should, yeah, you should listen to it, okay? Um, So, life is complicated, okay? I know that. I I know very well that life is complicated. But at the same time, what do we do with stories like this in the gospel where, where people with very simple and very small faith uh, you know, come to Jesus, and, and they just have this powerful, life-changing encounter with Him. It's like, it sounds so simple, right? Oh, uh, 12 years, <laughs> and then like, ding, I'm well again, that, that kind of thing. Like, what, what, what do we do with stories like this, right? And, and I, I believe that I believe that God wants us to learn from these stories, and that's why they're there in, in the Bible. And so today, I want to talk to you about faith, okay, and specifically about the power of Feeble faith And if you notice It's a bit of a paradox Yes Oxymoron If you like Right Because Are you getting it Right Because power And feeble If something is powerful Then it can't be feeble If the faith is feeble Then it has no power Yes so, oxymoron, right? Know your literary devices, okay? And, and you know, Jesus loves using paradox, right? He loves using paradox and metaphors and hyperbole and all that. And sometimes when I preach, I'm like, this is just like teaching a literature text. Except on the best book in the world. Hello. Amen. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, 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 so let's, let's look at the story, okay? Um, the story starts by telling us about the woman's condition, okay? If you look at in your Bibles at, at verses 25 and 26, okay, it says that a woman is, was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. And so let's just imagine this woman suffering, okay? Poor woman, okay? Okay? Um, she had been suffering physical pain, right? So, she was constantly in discomfort, okay? She was bleeding for a long time. Girls, just imagine having a period for 12 years. Like, nonstop. And the boys are like, move on, Joanne. Okay, and so so she was in great discomfort, right? Um, And you know, I don't know about you, but when I'm sick, I, I am just, I'm totally in a bad mood, okay? I, like, you know, your physical well-being affects your emotional uh, state, right? And, and when you're sick, I'm just like, I'm just grumpy, I'm unhappy, I don't want to talk to anybody, and just like, go out, go away, right? So, so, you know, you can imagine that she was just constantly distressed, okay? Now, the other thing is that her issue also disqualified and distanced her from God and from people because, because she was bleeding for so long, she was ceremonially unclean. Okay, and according to Jewish law in Leviticus, right, here we read that, that when you are bleeding, okay, you, um, when, when a woman has this bleeding, okay, uh, anything and anybody she touches would then become unclean. Alright, and so if she touched someone, like just, you know, happened to bump her or like shake his hand or something like that, right, uh, that person would then become unclean. Okay, and then they must like wash their clothes, take a bath, and they will be unclean until the evening. Like the whole day they're unclean. Okay? Um so just imagine what that did for her social life. Right? She just imagine what that did for her social life. She infected everyone and everything that she touched. Okay? Uh uh therefore, she was supposed to she would be expected to keep her distance, right, from people. Um, she couldn't have physical contact with with uh with people. And it also meant that she couldn't go to the temple to worship, okay? When you're unclean, you cannot go to the temple to worship, all right? So, she couldn't pursue, like, a deeper relationship with God. Uh, She she couldn't pursue deeper relationships with people. Uh, She has no religious life, no social life. She's basically isolated, and for 12 long years, okay? So, for 12 long years, she lived in this isolation, alienation, loneliness, all right? So, she was uh, in discomfort, she was distressed, she was disqualified, she was distant from God and, and, and people, and she was also devastated financially, right? It tells us, the Bible tells us that uh, she was broke from all this treatment that she sought. Okay, so her sickness, her issue devastated her. She spent all that she had. She spent all her money, She um, all her effort, but instead of getting better, she only grew worse, all right? And and finally, she also had to deal with a lot of disappointment, okay? Because it says here that that, you know, many doctors, uh, she, she was under many doctors, and so she probably tried many things, right? And so, while researching for this sermon, right, I read that in the Talmud, this is like a book of ancient Jewish writings, right, uh, if you have bleeding, okay, the cures that they recommend for you, there are, many, there are many cures, okay, there are at least 11 cures, okay, and so it includes um, cutting and burning of the infected area, Okay, um, hmm. some tonics, okay, um, but also things like carrying the ashes of an ostrich egg in a linen bag in the summer and a cotton bag in the winter. Wow, sounds uh, weird. Okay, another cure was to carry around a barley corn that was found in the dung of a white female donkey. Very specific. Okay, so did you try that? If you're bleeding, try this. All right. or it could be uh, also eating grasshopper eggs. How do you even find them? Like, you know, I don't know. Uh, or carrying around the tooth of a fox, or carrying around the fingernail of a person who has been hanged. So you go and go to the gallows and cut the. Okay, <laughs> uh, I, I like all these weird things. Okay, so so just imagine if this woman had tried all these ridiculous things, right, and still still no point, no use, okay? So she had disappointments with with doctors. She probably had a lot of futile efforts and attempts, right? So she'd been bleeding for 12 years and all human efforts uh, and attempts had failed, right? No one could come near uh, near her, no one could help her. Um, And so when she heard of this Jesus guy, he was kind of like her last desperate hope, right? She had tried everything else. And of course, the tragedy for her is that she had to try all these things. So many unhelpful things and for so long before she came to Jesus. But of course, when she came to Jesus, the great thing about our Lord is that Jesus can where man cannot. Right? And we see that with this woman, you know, she tried so many things. But only Jesus can. And you know, you know the gospel is full of situations, the four gospels is full of situations uh, where we see Jesus stepping into things specifically beyond man's ability and control. Okay, just before this story, uh, in Mark chapter 5, we read about a man who is possessed by demons, all right? And Jesus delivered him, you know, he drove the demons to the pigs, all that, right? So, so Jesus is greater than all powers of darkness, all spiritual forces of evil. And in the chapter before that, Mark 4, okay, I love this story, we read of Jesus calming the storm, Right, so I, I'm sure you know the story, right? There's a storm. Jesus is like sleeping on the boat on a cushion, right? And the disciples are like, ah, and then and then he just gets up and he's like, shh, and you know he speaks to the wind and the waves like like we talk to little kids, right? Or like like to a, a dog, you know, shh, be quiet. What what would he say? Quiet, sit, be still, right? And 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 that's the power of Jesus and in this story of the, the, this bleeding woman, right, it's actually sandwiched in um, a larger narrative of Jairus, Jesus saving Jairus' daughter, okay? So basically, Jairus had a daughter, she was dying, um, he asked Jesus to save her, and, and she, actually she, she died, and Jesus went and raised her from the dead. Okay, so so we see that, you know, Jesus is not just a good man, he's God himself, he's the son of God, he's God himself, and he's God who reigns over the physical earth, okay, the wind and the waves, over spiritual powers, demons, whatever, over disease, even if it's for for 12 years, over sickness and over even death, right? He is is in complete control of every situation that man cannot control. And so Jesus can where man cannot. And today, I want to ask you, in the presence of this almighty God and Savior who is all-powerful, in complete control of everything, today, what is your issue? Okay, what is your issue You are bringing to Him. What is your issue that you need Jesus to intervene in to reign over? What is your issue that you've been carrying around for twelve years, or for a long time? Because some of you are like barely alive for twelve years, right? Maybe you know. Maybe it's like a physical issue that that you need healing. Uh, Maybe it's a social issue. Maybe it's an issue with a relationship or relationships, broken relationships. Maybe it's things like feelings of of isolation or rejection. You always feel that you know you're alone. You're you're the one that um, is alone. Or maybe it's a spiritual issue. Maybe some some sin, some struggle, some fear, uh, some kind of identity crisis, inferiority complex, something that happened in your past. What is your issue? And you know, your issue may not be debilitating. That means it may not like kind of completely wreck you. Like you can still um, uh, go around living, like you can still go on surviving, getting by, living like a mediocre, slighted life, just like the woman. But it's a miserable life, right? To carry around that issue, that same issue for 12 years. And maybe because of this issue, you always feel that you, you can't really worship properly, like fully, or you can't serve or pray for people, or minister fully, um, and you know maybe like your relationships are always affected by this issue. What is your issue today? And you know this woman in the Bible, she is defined. She was defined by her issue, right? We only know her as the woman with the issue of blood, right? We don't know we don't know her name. Uh, in the in the King James version of the Bible, she's called the woman with an issue of blood. Okay, or woman subject to bleeding, right? And maybe some of you also feel defined by your issue. I don't know if any of you feel like you're you're always called um, yeah, this she's like the not so smart one in the family, or she's the not so pretty one. Or or maybe in school you're like the one who always fails maths. That was me. Or or maybe you're like the unfriendly one. Also me. You know, maybe you're defined by by your issue, right? Something that 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 you feel distressed by, um, um, maybe you have an issue that that makes you always distant from people, devastated, disappointed. This woman carried around this problem for 12 years and she couldn't forget it for a moment, right? It's not like she could like, oh, today's a good day. She's like bleeding for 12 years. It's like constantly plaguing her while she watched everybody else live normal and better lives. And this issue cost her all her money, her energy, her resources, and even her dignity probably and maybe you too, you have tried everything or a lot of things, and yet you're still dealing with this same issue. You know, sometimes you try a lot of things, right? And some may be good things, like, like doctors. I mean, Doctors are good things, right? Um, or maybe you, you try things like you, you try to serve a lot to make up for something. Right? Or you go for a lot of Christian stuff. You listen to like, like Christian music, or you post a lot of Christian images on social media or something. When, when actually all we really need is just a touch from Jesus, All we really need is just touch from Jesus. And so today, as you listen to the Word and as you bring your issue before Him, let's remember first of all that Jesus can where man cannot. You know, it's a simple principle. It's a simple fact. But it's so powerful that Jesus can where man cannot. And so if Jesus can, do we want? You know, I've read this story um, many times and and one thing that really struck me this time when I was preparing for the sermon is this, okay? Now imagine the scene. It's a really crowded scene, right? We read... um, crowd was pressing against him and all that i i hate crowds okay i have personal space issues i do not like strangers touching me right jess i mean not that she touched me okay (laughs) you know i I mean i I guess some people like quite okay with it but like i i'm not okay i don't like people invading my personal space and so i hate things like peak periods on the mrt do you do i take mrt on peak periods it's awful. It's, it's, it's terrible, right? You know how it is, right? The train door opens and everyone just pushes in and just like, "Oh, it's just awful, right? And you know some of my guy friends tell me that when they take the train, they, they just have to stand like this. Or they, like, they, they just clutch their back like this. Because they're, they're, it's so crowded, they are so scared that they will accidentally, inappropriately touch a, a, a female somewhere and get accused of something and so they just stand like this. Yeah, like, like uh, once I had a colleague, he just like, every morning he would be like, oh my God, I just stood in the train like this the, the whole time, right? Because it's, it's just the crowd is so bad, okay? The crowd is so bad. And, and in this passage, it's, it's a similar situation, right? It's, it's a really large crowd. There are tons of people there, okay? Verse 24 says the crowd was pressing around him. Verse 31 says uh, the crowd was crowding against him. And so, when Jesus asked, who touched my clothes? The disciples felt like, what kind of ridiculous question is this? Right and uh, uh, the disciples were like, "What, who touched you, bro, please, seriously, Jesus, look around, you see the crowd, and you can still ask who touched you? This is like pretty much what the disciples said, which is a little bit rude if you ask me, but you know the disciples were were, were, were like that, and thank God for that because then there 's hope for us all right, but you know he, the disciples were like, what what are you talking about okay and and what struck me this time when I was preparing and reading this passage is that you know, this passage shows us that you can... There so many people, right? And, and you can be actually near Jesus. You can be pressing against Him physically. You can be crowding around Him and yet not receive anything from Him. There were so many in the crowd. They were physically close to Jesus. They were probably bumping against Him and like rubbing shoulders and, and jostling against Him and all that. And why did only one person experience a miracle? Is it because no one else had need Everyone has needs. It's probably because no one else was expecting a miracle or asking for one. And perhaps no one there really acknowledged their needs. And and they were not aware of who was in the midst of them. Like if Jesus is standing right next to you, would you just be like... Right? Would you just like stand there and like push along? They were not aware of who was in their midst and how much they needed Him. They were not desperate for change like the woman... You know, the KJV uses the word throng. T-H-R-O-N-G, right? That the people thronged Jesus. And Peter, and Peter, so Peter says to Jesus, you see the multitude thronging thee. The multitude throng thee and press thee. Throng. Okay, and throng, the word throng, now it sounds funny because I keep saying it. Throng is usually used to describe people in a crowd and it means to fill, fill space and uh, just be present. That's what throng means. Right? And so when we come into the presence of Jesus, are we thronging or are we touching? Like when we come to church every week, do we just kind of rub shoulders with people, you know, like participate in the rituals, shake hands, observe the worship and preaching, make some small talk, and then leave unchanged? Isn't it incredible how we can often be in his awesome presence and yet be unaware? of what He can do and and be unmoved by His mighty power, that we can be in a Christian environment and doing Christian stuff all the time and yet not really touch Him. And maybe sometimes it's because we're too familiar that we don't actually expect anything anymore and we just come to church and like, yeah, oh, this is church, we just do the same usual stuff every week. We just sing some songs and then we just hear someone speak or we just discuss some questions. You can be very near Jesus and yet not really touch Him. You can be crowded near to Him and yet go away without really touching Him. You can be in church and the presence of God is strong and God is here and yet you may not touch Him. It's like Constance was talking about Martha last week, right? Jesus was right there in her house and she was like, where's the plate to? Right? Jesus was right there in her house. So are you thronging Or are you touching? And do you ever feel like you're in church and you're just kind of like in the crowd? Do you ever feel like you're not really connecting with Jesus that, you know, you're in the right place. You're doing the right things. Um, You know, you sing the songs. You pray the prayers. You make the small talk during the three minutes of fellowship. You read along in the Bible. You listen to the sermon. But when you leave and you go home, you go home unchanged and you take that issue with you. You keep carrying it for 12 years. You come you leave, you come and you leave because you never really connected with Jesus and you were just one in the crowd and you just thronged. You just filled the space and existed there. Just, you're just present. And you heard about the power of Jesus and maybe you watched some people get impacted and you're like, oh, good for them. But you don't personally experience and encounter the living saviour. And so... I want to say to you, don't just throng, you know, every time you come to church. Don't just throng. Don't be satisfied with just rubbing shoulders. Don't be satisfied with just kind of like observing and and just participating, right? Reach out and touch Jesus. Because the next thing I want to share with you is that the thing we see about Jesus in this encounter is that Jesus responds to faith. Like I think it's pretty obvious, right? The main thing in this passage is the woman's faith, okay? And Jesus told her, your faith has healed you. And yet, it's a bit hard to talk about this woman's faith because in a sense, she kind of had great faith. You know, she heard of Jesus and she believed that he would help her. And she even believed that, oh, I just need to touch the edge of his cloak and and, and that would be enough. But you know, it wasn't wasn't great faith in the sense that she knew that Jesus was the promised Messiah that the scriptures had foretold or or like she comprehended perfectly the divine omnipotence of Jesus because He is the Son of God and because she completely understood sanctification and justification and consecration and all that and she believed with all her heart. It was more like she's just desperate. Right? She's just desperate. She tried so many things. uh, She had nothing else to believe in and that's why she had great faith. Right. In fact, her faith was almost superstitious. She thinks that touching the cloak will heal her. Right? It's it's kind of like superstition. Right? It wasn't some um, deep theologically grounded faith. And of course, there's a time and a place for that. And again, see if God is good series. Randy Alcott. Oh yeah, no, come come for that as well. Right? You know, I mean, there's there's a time and place for that. There's 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 there's, 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 there's space for that. But basically, for this woman, her life sucked. She had tried everything and she heard of Jesus and what he had done and she thought, oh, maybe this time, this one will work. It was like a very raw kind of faith. You know, not, not, not like a polished and well thought through kind of faith. It was, it, was, it, it was superstitious, right? She thought of Jesus, she probably thought of Jesus the way that some people think of like holy water or like some miracle cure, some miracle stone, you touch it or you whatever, you wear it or something and then, and, 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 and then it heals you. Because it was obviously not Jesus' clothes that worked the miracle, right? But she didn't seem to know that very well. She had no concept of God's divine will working in her life. In fact, she probably thought that she could kind of like extract some healing, right? Uh, Extract some healing from Him without Him even noticing. I just crawl in, I just touch a bit and then, okay, maybe I'll be okay. So, her concept of God was not really sound. It was not really kind of like deep and, 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 and mature faith. And so, why did Jesus still respond to this kind of almost superstitious faith? Why did He still respond? It's not mature, you know. It's not, not very deep, right? I believe it's because He saw beyond the woman's erroneous ideas and superstitious actions and He saw straight to her soul that was needy and desperate for help. And what the woman brought to him was not like some maturity or whatever. She just brought pure desire of the heart, anguish of the soul, a a deep human need that turned to him as, you are my last hope for healing, for help. and, And if I have any chance of healing, maybe this is it. And so the lesson here is not that It's not that we don't need to study the Bible thoroughly. It's not that we don't need to think through hard issues and and, and think about theology and God's ways and all that. But I believe, I really believe that Jesus looks at the heart. That do, do you truly, earnestly, desperately desire to be made different by Jesus? Do we really want Jesus to change us, to change our lives in the same way this poor woman with all her superstition wished she could be changed in the body? You know, there's a reason why Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. You know, I'm sure you've heard that a mustard seed is like the smallest seed. It's like, it's like a dot, right? It's just dots. And he said, if you have faith, if you, if, if you just have this small little dot faith, uh, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. No, Jesus didn't say you must go and study a lot and make sure you are theologically grounded and all that. Then, that is kind of like the, the good faith to have, right? So, it's, it's not the strength or the depth of our faith that saves us, but the strength of our Savior. And Jesus responds to faith no matter how feeble it might be. And He told her it is, your faith has made you well. He even affirmed that small little superstitious kind of faith because this woman had desperate faith. You know, she was desperate because for 12 years, she had been just going through this horrible life, keenly aware of her need for healing and of everybody else's inability to meet that need. And you know, when we talk about desperation, desperation is a great need and desire of extreme intensity, a great need and desire for something or someone. And we get desperate when we realize the need and then our inability to meet the need. And you know, the four gospels, they are full of desperate people. The gospels are full of desperate people and how Jesus responds to their faith, no matter how feeble or superficial or weak they are. Just think about the sinful woman. You know, there was Mary or Bethany who anointed Jesus, right? And there was also a sinful woman who anointed him. And when she came in, she was criticized and she was obviously rejected. Obviously, she had lived a sinful life, right? And so, the religious leaders were saying, oh, what's this girl doing? And she just came to Jesus with tears. And Jesus told her the same thing he told this woman. He said, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. A sinful woman. She didn't come with like a perfect life or like, oh, I've done a lot of, I've served you a lot, God. She just came with, you know, her sin and her tears. And Jesus says, your faith has saved you. Think about the thief on the cross next to Jesus. You know, I don't know if he went through like some deep confession and repentance and, 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 and all that. And maybe when he spoke to Jesus, it was just like a last desperate attempt for any kind of salvation. Because when you're hanging on a cross, you realize you're, you're quite screwed, right? And so maybe it was just like some last desperate attempt. And he said, Jesus, would you remember me? And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise small, little, feeble faith. Think about the people who made a hole in the roof, right? And they lowered their, their their friend who was paralyzed so that Jesus could heal him. And Jesus, and you know, the Bible says that Jesus saw their faith. He saw the friend's faith and then he healed the guy. And so you can also be desperate on behalf of others. And so it's not, religion or ceremony or programs or or, or singing or whatever that God responds to, but He responds to desperation. He responds to faith, even if it's faith as small as a mustard seed and we sing it all the time, a little faith's enough to see mountains lift and move. And so today, let's ask ourselves, how desperate are we today for an encounter with Him? How desperate are you for a touch from Him? Or are we kind of resigned to living with that need, that issue, that that hurt or pain or struggle that we have, we need to have that desperation to realize that only God can give us what we lack and what we need, that Jesus is the only answer. And in fact, I believe that more than just asking for healing or like some, some help in our problems, you know, I believe that every single one of us here also needs to have a desperation just for more of God, for a fresh encounter with Him, and there may be some of us here who think that actually, you know, we're doing fine without Him or we're doing fine with, with, you know, it's okay. I've survived 12 years with this issue. You know, I can continue. I can continue to survive. And, and then we just don't recognize or acknowledge how much we need a touch from Jesus And you know, if we truly consider what God has made available to us, His great power and joy and strength and love, that He is the King of kings, He's the creator, He's the most powerful being in the universe, and He says, I will always be with you, I send my son to die for you, you can boldly approach my throne of grace with confidence. If we consider all that, and then we consider where we are at now, when we see in the Word the life that is available to us, and we look at our own lives and our own church and we see the low level of spiritual life or the absence of spiritual power, it should create in us a sense of desperation. It should stir in us a sense of desperation. God, whatever I've experienced, whatever I have encountered is not enough. I'm desperate for more of you in every area of my life. I'm desperate to encounter you and to touch you. So how desperate, how desperate are we today? You know, the reason why this woman even managed to get to Jesus' uh, coat, right, was because she had this determined desperation. You know, this woman was not supposed to be out there. She's not supposed to be out there in the crowd coming in contact with people because she's like an infectious disease, right? She, she's unclean. Right? It's like if we have, you, you know, um, there were periods where, where everybody is very sensitive for like H1N1 and SARS and all that. And so everybody says, you must wear a mask, right? Because you, you don't want to infect people, right? If you're sick, stay at home, be socially responsible, wear a mask, don't go to school and contaminate your school, don't go to work, contaminate your workplace. And so this woman, she wasn't supposed to be there, right? Why are you like walking around in normal society, contaminating people? But she didn't care. She pushed through the crowd and she must have thought at this point, I don't care if I'm unclean, and I'm just sick of this bleeding for so many years, and I'm going to push my way through, and I'm going to touch that cloak. You know, she could have thought, um, she could have just sat there and thought like, oh, why would Jesus care about me? I'm a nobody, right? I'm, a, I'm an unclean woman. The crowd is so big, how am I going to get to him? He won't even see me. Um, and, and he has no time, you know, he's rushing to help Jairus' daughter, right? This, this account happened in the middle of him, of Jesus. So, so what happened is actually Jairus came uh, and said, Jesus, my daughter is dying, you know, please help me. And Jesus, okay, and, and Jesus is going. And then this episode of the woman happened, right? So the woman could have said, oh man, he's, he's going to help someone else, right? Or she could have said, oh, well, nothing else has worked, you know, why, why, would, this, why would this Jesus guy be able to do anything? But this woman had a determined desperation. She pushed past All the possible excuses, hindrances, and her desperation caused her to push past shame, um, society's rules and laws. She pushed past her past disappointments, her failures, her desperation drove her to the divine. And then her desperation positioned her for deliverance. Are you sick of being defined and disqualified and devastated by your issue? I want to encourage you today to become desperate. To have that determined desperation, push past everything else, push past the disappointment, failure, shame, fear, and just come to that place where everything within you cries, I just need to touch Him, and then everything will be okay. And you know, I think it's beautiful that in the middle of, of that crazy large crowd, that Jesus felt that one woman's touch. I mean, just imagine, right? He's like walking and there's like so many people around him and, and he felt that one woman touching his cloak, right? And, and, and the disciples cannot understand that. They're like, what are you talking about? There's so many, so many people around, right? But he felt that one woman's touch and he said, I know that power has gone out from me. And Jesus wasn't like, oh, somebody got healed. Great, good for her. Now I'm just going to go on and, and heal Jairus' daughter, right? In that huge crowd, Jesus knew And he felt for the woman, and he cared about that one woman and her situation. And that's Jesus. That's our loving Savior. That's our good Father. That's how he's like. That you're not just a face in the crowd. I mean, I don't know if you ever thought about, like, how you know God is, yeah, everybody's God, right? Like, there's six billion people in the world. world. Why would you care about, like, me? But Jesus sees each of us. You're not just a face in a crowd. And He knows every single one of you sitting here right now. He knows exactly what you're thinking. He knows exactly what you've been through. He knows what you're worried about. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows when you sit and when you rise before a word is on your tongue. He knows it completely. Psalm 139 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Even in a large crowd, He sees you. He knows your situation. And He wants to heal you. He wants to touch you. And so what is that issue or the need or or the burden or the problem that you brought into service today? What is that issue that you've been carrying around with you for a long time? You know, even in this crowd, in this congregation, you can reach out in faith. And you can believe that if you touch Him, you will get what you need. And you can do it in the middle of a crowd. Even as like the worship or the sermon is going on, you can reach out and by faith, take what you need from Jesus. You're not, you're not lost in the crowd. Jesus sees you and he sees, even if you have that little bit of faith, he sees you and Jesus responds to faith. He responds to simple, feeble faith. He doesn't despise simple faith. And so we just need to push past everything. Come to Jesus. Even if your faith is feeble, just reach out and touch him in faith. And so Jesus can where man cannot. Jesus responds to faith. And the final point I want to make is that Jesus changes your life. Let's look at the last part of the story. So Jesus asked, who touched me, right? Who touched me? And the disciples were like, what? Okay, Jesus ignored them. And he kept looking around. Okay, he was looking for that woman. And so that woman realized, oh, I I, I can't run away, right? And so we look at verse 33. The woman came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. Now, what is this whole truth that she told him? Okay, the parallel account in Luke says, she told him why she had touched him. Okay, so she told him her history, um, her problem, right, her, her situation. And she told him how she had been instantly healed. She just started giving her testimony there, right? It's like healing prayer service, testimony, immediate, on the spot. Now, why did Jesus ask her to do that? Why did Jesus make her confess? Do you think, you know, why, why did you say who touched me? Do you think Jesus didn't know who touched him? You know, sometimes I ask my kids like, who made this mess? And I'm like, do you think I don't know? I mean, I just saw you pour the whole bucket of toys out, right? But you know, you ask because you, you want them to like, it's me. Right? And, and so, so Jesus, why was Jesus asking? It's not because he didn't know. It's not because he's like, huh, huh, who? Right? He knew, he knew exactly who touched him. And then a woman came and she was trembling with fear. Okay, she was trembling with fear. And maybe she thought, oh, lad, he's going to scold me, right? Oh no, maybe he found out. And uh, he, he's going he's to scold me um, or condemn me and say like, why are you touching me, unclean woman? Like, why, why do you infect me? You know, that kind of thing. And, and, and Because that's probably what she's been used to, right? But is that the spirit of our Savior? Jesus wasn't angry. He wanted to reach out specifically to this woman and talk to her, and, and and why why did he want to talk to her? Why why draw attention to her and spend the time talking to her? Just imagine, right? Jarius, okay, so Jarius comes and says, uh, you know, Jesus, my, my daughter is dying. Okay, can you please can you please follow me so that you can heal her? Okay, so Jesus, okay, so Jesus is walking with Jarius, and then this woman this woman touches him, right? And Jesus is like, oh, touch me, and then he's like looking around. Just imagine Jarius, he's like, dude. Dying daughter, here, okay? And Jesus is like, who touch me. And the woman comes up and she tells her story and Jerry's like, ah, dude, <laughs> right? But why, why, why did Jesus make her do that? You know, I believe that when we encounter Jesus, it's not just superficial, surface things that he wants to fix. It's not just like some problem-solving, quick-fix thing. He wants to go deeper. He wants to go deeper with you and encounter with Jesus Always takes you deeper. Now, just imagine the scene, okay? I tried to look for a video online, but I, I couldn't find uh, one that I felt was, was, you know, good enough to represent. Okay, so imagine the scene, okay? Jesus is going with Jairus, okay? He's going with Jairus. There's this huge crowd around him, okay? And then in, in the Bible, verse 27, it says, She came up behind him. She came from behind. Okay, so he's like walking here, and this woman comes from behind. Okay, she comes from behind him, and and you know I I always imagine that she's probably crawling. She's probably like crawling through. I'm pretty sure she's not like excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, right? She's just she's she's not like excuse right? She's probably like crawling through because that's probably how she will be able to get get past people, and and because she pro- was probably afraid that people will recognize her and be like ah unclean woman, right? So she was probably like hiding and. And, and crawling through, afraid that that people would recognize her. And she was probably used to to being like this. You know, she's probably used to being the outcast, being the, the nobody, the one just on the fringe of society. And all she wanted was the edge of his cloak. That's all, right? She's probably thinking, "Oh, he's going somewhere else to heal someone else. Um, it's okay. I don't ask for much. I, I just I just need to touch the edge of his cloak and see if that will help me." And perhaps some of you feel that way sometimes. Like, God, I I don't need too much of your attention or or your time. It's okay because I know I'm not going to be like some great missionary or preacher or or pastor or anything. I I just need like a little help. Like maybe with my chemistry test tomorrow. Uh, And I just need like a little bit of healing and hopefully. And and it's okay if it's not dramatic or like nobody notices or nobody knows. Um, I don't need to stand out. I just just come to church. Um, I just need to receive a little bit and I just like learn a bit. And make sure I'm not, like, completely dead spiritually or, or, or like, I'm not backsliding. And, 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 and it's okay. I, I don't need some big dramatic encounter. Um, I just need enough to get by. The edge of your cloak will do, Jesus. Just give me that. Right? And so, and so I think that was, like, the woman's uh, spirit attitude. Okay? Now, I want to cut for a while to Exodus 33, 18 to 23. Okay? So, if you have your Bibles, you turn to Exodus 33, 18 to 23. Now, this is the passage where Moses asked God to show me your glory. Okay, so Moses, he's like, you know, friend with God, he's like, you know, buddies, and and he's like, God, show me your glory. And God says, Okay, I will show you my glory, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, but you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live because God is so holy, right? And man is so sinful, and even Moses, you know, faithful, humble, committed servant of God, Moses, even he, he's too sinful compared to God's holiness. And so God says, okay, Moses, you can stand on the rock, okay, and when my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft, like in a little hole, and then I will cover you with my hand, and then I will pass by, and then I will remove my hand, and you can see my back. But my face must not be seen, because I'm too holy You'll die if you see my face. Okay? So this is Old Testament, uh, Moses, right? And so, so Moses saw the back, okay? And this woman, cut back to this woman. She's coming from behind. She's crawling. She's like sneaking around. And she sees Jesus' back, right? And she sees the edge of his cloak. And, like, and she's thinking, okay, I, I can settle for the edge of his cloak. But friends, this is the New Testament. And God is still holy. And we are still sinful. But Jesus... Jesus is here. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the mediator. He's, he came to set us free from slavery um, to the Lord. Jesus has come. And because Jesus has come, because Jesus is here, we don't need to see His back anymore. Because why will you settle for the edge of His cloak and the backside when you can turn and look full in His wonderful face? And the Scripture, look at the Scripture in verse 30. It says, Jesus turned. Right? So he's walking this way. He's going to Jairus' house. And this woman's like crawling in the back, like, ah, Itch off the cloak. Right? And then Jesus turned. He turned. He turned around. He turned around to face her. And she saw his face. I see your face. You're beautiful. Right? She saw his face. She saw his face. And I'm sure that at that moment when she looked into the Savior's eyes, that she received more than physical healing? Because Jesus gives exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. He came to give us life, not just like life to survive, but life to the full abundant life. And because Jesus has come, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. We can find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And so Jesus refused to let this woman merely sneak a blessing from his backside like his back space side okay and this is the theme of the gospels really that jesus changes your life completely that there is radical and transforming change when we encounter jesus and you know jesus wants to be more than someone who just does miracles fixes things more than just a healer he wants to be personal savior he wants to be best friend he wants to be gentle father he wanted a woman to look into his face and feel his tenderness hear his loving voice his words of assurance you know i'm sure that by the time he finished speaking to her that she experienced something more than just physical healing and he called her daughter Daughter, your faith is healed. He called her daughter. And it was a term of endearment. It's it's a term of adoption into the family, right, of our good, good father. Jesus wanted to complete the miracle by speaking love and assurance into her hurting heart, into her 12 years of alienation and struggle. And in the KJV, it says, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. And it's not just physical healing, but it's something spiritual as well. Because this woman needed more than physical healing. He didn't want her to go away thinking, wah, hang on. I touched the coat, got, got some healing, right? He wanted her to know Him. And so he publicly affirmed her. He publicly commended her faith. And, she, and he said that it was her faith that healed her. Not my garment. It's not some magic. Right? It's not like you rub this and a genie in the lamp comes up. It's not my garment that healed you. It's your faith that healed you. And then he blessed her and he encouraged her. And he said in Matthew, he said, take heart, daughter. And the KJV is, be of good cheer. Be of good comfort. Take heart, daughter. He assured her of permanent healing. Not just physical, right? It's not just physical. He said, physically be free from the suffering, but also spiritual, Go in peace. And if you think about this episode, this little episode, there were, there were two people who came in faith, okay? Jairus and the woman. And they both encountered Jesus in a powerful way. Now, Jairus was an important man, okay? He was a synagogue ruler. So he was probably rich and important, right? And, and, and the woman... Uh, and, and, okay, so he came, Jairus, he came to Jesus in faith. He fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly. And Jesus said, yeah, I'm going to kill your daughter, Right? And so Jesus is on the way to heal Jairus' daughter. And yet, he still had time for this poor woman who had no social status at all compared to Jairus, but she also had faith. And so that's what Jesus responds to. Not your status, not what you've done. He just responds to faith. And Jesus also has perfect timing. You know, the woman may have thought, oh man, Mr. boat. He's going off to heal Jairus' daughter. Right? He wouldn't have time for me. And Jairus might have thought, now if you read on, Okay, after Jesus finished talking to this woman, somebody comes and says, hey, Jairus, your daughter died already. So just no need to bother Jesus. Can you imagine Jairus? He's like, what? You missed the boat, Jesus. I asked you to hurry up, come with me. And now, like, you're just talking to this woman and now my daughter is dead when you could have healed her. But Jesus helped them both in their situations, right? And, and Jesus went to Jairus' house and, and, and raised his daughter from the dead. Jesus helped both of them in their situation, the important synagogue officer and the anonymous social outcast. The woman had spent her money. had spent all her money and yet it was no use. Jairus probably had a lot of money. It was also no use. Jesus knows exactly what we each need. He's not too busy for you. He can radically change and transform your life. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and we're going to end with this verse. And this is what Jesus brings. He's opened up the way for us to go to the Father. He's opened up the way. And my favorite part is the last verse. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And you know, I've been a Christian for a long time. There are a lot of things in the Christian faith that I, I still cannot explain. And, and I'm still wrestling over or trying to figure out. I don't have answers to a lot of things like why this happens or that happens, what is God's ultimate will and that kind of thing. But in faith, I know that if I just touch Jesus, something will change in my life. He will radically change and transform my life. And so today, whatever your issue is, just believe that Jesus can help you, that with Him, all things are possible, that He's stronger than your failures, your past, your weaknesses, your fears. And just come with that little bit of faith. That's all he's asking for, a little bit of faith. And that's all you need. Because the secret to experiencing power and encountering him lies not in our faith, but in the one that we have faith in. And that's why the feeble faith is enough. And Jesus will encounter you. So don't miss the touch of Jesus in your life. Because when Jesus touches you, you will never be the same again. And and, and I feel like my whole life is just a testimony of that. That when Jesus touches you, you will never be the same again. And so the question today for you is, really, how desperate are you for an encounter? Are we desperate to encounter Him today? Our series is called Encounters with Jesus. The call is, is, is always the same. We open up the altar for those who want to encounter Jesus afresh, Today we encounter him anew every day. And all you need is to come with a little bit of faith. There's power, even that feeble faith. If you just come with that desperation for a touch from him, for more of him, he responds to that. And so as we you know, as we sing and as we respond, I, I wanna encourage you really not to throng. You know, not to just exist. And sometimes it becomes very easy for us to do that, especially if you've been in church for a long time. And you know the right things to do, you know the right things to say, you know, you know, you know what to do, what not to do, and and all that. And and it's very easy for us It's just sometimes cut we just come, we attend, we exist, and we leave unchanged, unmoved, just not different. But every time we encounter Jesus, our life is radically transformed even if we've been carrying this thing for like 12 years or, or a long time and, and really I don't know what your issue is today I believe that there are issues that everyone struggles with and some of you may it may be an issue of just identity insecurity and you know it's not a it's not a debilitating issue like it's not you know you're, you're, you can still go just go to school you can still do stuff you know but you just you keep carrying that along could be like an issue of of rejection or, or inferiority. Like you always feel that you'll never be good enough. So it's okay. I'll never be good enough. I just need that edge. That's all. But Jesus wants to do so much more than that. He wants to do so much more than that. And you just imagine that woman. She's crawling and all she's expecting is some kind of healing. And when Jesus turned, He turned and faced her and and it's like the song says when you look full in his wonderful face all the things of this earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace I invite you to stand and we're going to sing a song you know I want to encourage you really to come with a desperate faith I've been learning in the the last few years of my life to become desperate and I know sometimes desperate has this like negative connotation but I think that to remain spiritually fresh and, and constantly growing that we constantly have to be desperate and aware of our need for more of Jesus that when we reach the point where we think you know we're okay we can deal with this thing, we can carry it along, it doesn't really matter, it doesn't really affect us. That we're okay, you know, we, we just, we know we can come to church, we do the right things, and we just do the usual things. I'm not backsliding, you know, I'm just, I'm, yeah, I'm here, I'm, I'm doing okay. And if we, if we settle into that kind of we're okay mode, and we don't push past everything and reach out in desperate determination, then we stop growing. And so I want to invite you guys to to just encounter Jesus today, to come with desperation. Whether you have a, a big issue, like like you know, um, you've been struggling with it for twelve years, or or maybe you you think you're kind of okay, but you're like, no, I need to be desperate for more of God because you're I'm never okay. I'm never you know we never experience enough of Jesus. We never reach a stage where we're like, oh, we're good now. We've experienced. The max of Jesus. And so I want to encourage you today to have that desperation to respond, to encounter him. And if we keep pressing in, we keep pressing in to encounter him, we will touch him and we will receive so much more look full in his wonderful face. So let's sing. And 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 if that's you, you just come up to the altar. Respond, and, and it doesn't even matter if people don't pray for you. You know, it's really between you and God. It's about encountering Him for yourself, encountering Him in, encountering Him in a personal way today.
2: Oh, Lord, You said. Overcome the rain. Glory field.
0: Wherever you are, whether you're coming up to the front or you're remaining in a seat, that that really you come with a heart that says, "God, I, I'm I really want to encounter you today." Because God is not looking for your like religious activity or or your your holiness or whatever. Because you will never reach Him. You know, He's not looking for like how often you read your Bible or whatever. Or whatever you know, he's, he's. I mean, those are important things, but. But that's not the key thing that he's looking for. He's just looking for heart. He's just looking for that small little faith that reaches out and says, I I, I don't know what to do. God, I just need you. Jesus, I just need a touch from you. That's all. Whatever it is that you're carrying around, whatever issue, whatever struggle, whatever burden... I'm not here to say that, oh, everything will be fine suddenly, like it's very simple, that kind of thing. But often what we just need is really just to touch Jesus. We just need a touch from Him. We just need a touch from Him. And so wherever you are, would you just reach out and, and really push past everything, you know, like push past everything and and, and, and just come with that simple faith that says if I just touch Him that's all I need to do I just need a touch from Jesus that's all I need and when we come with that desperate, hungry heart He says you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart and I can promise you that when you push in you press in your life will be changed. There will be a radical change in your life. And so I, want to just, I, I just want to give us time to respond. It doesn't matter what the people around you are doing. Just respond between you and God. You say, God, I want to encounter you today. God, I'm desperate for you. And really, Holy Spirit, without you, I can do nothing. And it has to be you, Holy Spirit. It has to be you, God, who intervenes in whatever I'm going through, whatever I'm carrying around, it just has to be you. Because human efforts will will, will just not be enough. The Holy Spirit has to be.
2: You are through my life Casting all my fears aside How could greater love than this Ever possibly end It's everything I am It's everything I am I reach out for your hand your treasure i e soon.
0: Pray, and then if you want to leave, you can leave. If you want to linger, you can linger. Father, we thank you that you are a good, good Father. We thank you that Jesus, you are healer, you are deliverer. More than that, you are our personal Savior. God, you are our friend, and you are the gentle Father. Jesus, we thank you that you turn around. That you don't just give us the edge of your cloak, but you show us your face. And so God, I pray that that even as we go into the week, even as we leave church, God, I pray that we will not leave this place unchanged and unmoved. God, I pray that every week when we come, that we will not just be here and just Throng and, and, and just exist here. God, I pray for your Holy Spirit really to stir in us a deep hunger for you, a deep desperation for you. That God, we will push past everything that hinders us just to get to you and just to receive that touch from you. So, God, give us that faith, give us that desperate faith. We thank you that you turn your face to us. So bless us, God. In Jesus' name we pray.